It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Friday, September 10th, 2021. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Sitka firefighters were called to the Westmark Sitka on Wednesday after the hotel's barbecue smoker apparently caught fire. A fire truck, four firefighters, and the chief responded to the scene shortly before noon and found fairly thick smoke in the hotel dining room. Whatever fire occurred in the barbecue on the deck was out by the time the firefighters responded, so there were no flames to extinguish. Firefighters set up fans and ventilated the space for approximately 45 minutes. There were no injuries or damage as a result of the incident. The State Department of Health and Social Services reported three new coronavirus infections in Sitka on Wednesday, two resident and one non-resident. Sitka now has 927 resident cases since the start of the pandemic and 90 non-resident cases. That puts Sitka's infection rate at 11 cases in the last seven days. The community's alert level will remain on high until that number drops to between five and eight cases over seven days. In that event, Sitka's risk level would shift from high to substantial. Sitka's vaccination rate continues to tick upwards in response to concerns over the highly infectious Delta variant of the disease, which now accounts for almost all of the cases in the country. Almost 80% of Sitkins are now fully vaccinated, or 5,870 people. Only 1,300 eligible Sitkins over age 12 have not received at least one dose of the vaccine. Harry Race Pharmacy and Search are both continuing to offer the free vaccine. You can find more information on how to register by calling the pharmacy, calling the Search COVID hotline, or by visiting the KCAW Coronavirus Information Hub online at kcaw.org. The Senate passed the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill last month. Now, the House of Representatives is set to vote on it at the end of September. As Katie Anastas reports, participants in a recent town hall forum see the bill's potential for funding ferries and energy projects in southeast Alaska. The House hasn't passed the infrastructure bill just yet, and President Biden will still need to sign it into law. Caleb Froelich, Senator Lisa Murkowski's chief of staff, calls the bill historic. Senator Murkowski thinks it's probably the single most consequential bill that she's worked on in her 20 years uh, in the Senate. Froelich and others spoke at an online town hall meeting in late August, hosted by the Southeast Alaska Conservation Council and the Juneau Economic Development Council. They discussed infrastructure projects that could become possible with the help of new funding. A major one is stabilizing the Alaska Marine Highway System. Kevin Swanson from Representative Don Young's office says the infrastructure bill could help pay for operating costs and maintenance. That's something new. Traditionally speaking, federal funds for ferries only go to capital investments, right? So those are things for building docks, building new ferries, repairing ferries, but didn't go to the operation and maintenance of the system. Electric ferries could help reduce costs and environmental damage. McHugh Pierre, CEO of Gold Belt, Juno's Urban Native Corporation, says improving the ferry system is important, especially for tribal communities. Right now we're at a low point in our history. Um, you know, the ferry service is dismal. There's only two boats that are running. Um, you know, people have to rely on airplanes. It's very expensive. And if someone needs to go to a doctor's appointment or something from, say, Cape to Sitka, and they can't get on a plane, they're stuck. Other panelists emphasized building hydroelectric power infrastructure, especially in rural parts of the state. 
Jody Mitchell, CEO of the Inside Passage Electrical Cooperative, says they've improved hydropower in communities like Angoon, Huna, and Cake. The infrastructure bill could help keep customer costs down. These projects must be built with grant funding in order to reduce rates. I can't go and build hydro projects and borrow, you know, 10, 20, 25 million dollars to build these projects and then raise rates. Duff Mitchell, managing director at Juno Hydropower, says it's a valuable resource. In southeast Alaska, we're blessed with hydropower, one of the few places in the world that can actually pull it off. Not only is this good for the environment, but it keeps our local energy dollars here local and it creates jobs. The bill also includes $1.5 billion for high-speed internet in Alaska and an additional $250 million for tribal internet connectivity. The House of Representatives has pledged to vote on the bill by September 27th. In Petersburg, I'm Katie Anastas. A coalition of conservationists warn they're preparing to sue for federal protections of Southeast Alaska's wolves if the Biden administration doesn't take concrete action soon. Last year, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service accepted a petition filed by Alaska and national-based environmental groups calling for the Alexander Archipelago wolf to be listed as threatened or endangered, but the federal agency has yet to act. Now, groups including the Alaska Rainforest Defenders, the Center for Biological Diversity, and the Defenders of Wildlife have followed up with a notice saying that the U.S. Department of the Interior missed a one-year deadline to take action on the petition. The three-page letter was required by law before filing a lawsuit that could compel the federal agencies to protect Southeast's wolves. The Coalition of Conservation Organizations argues that Alexander Archipelago wolves are threatened by clear-cut logging, aggressive hunting and trapping, and by climate change. A similar petition to list the wolves was rejected in 2016, but Fish and Wildlife says the threats identified have only worsened since the last time it reviewed the species. State game managers have argued that Southeast's wolf population is resilient and have opened the population up to hunting and trapping on Prince of Wales Island, where residents complain the wolves prey on the island's deer. State officials have said they'll resist federal protections, which would affect permitting for development and resource extraction across the region. Juno's September 11th memorial just got an upgrade. KTOO's Matt Miller talked to the designer about how he was inspired to create a memorial to the lives lost during the event that led to America's longest war. Brent Fisher says his wife encouraged him to propose and design a memorial for Juno after one of his childhood friends died on 9-11. Christopher Newton was aboard Flight 77 when it crashed into the Pentagon. Fisher says they were in the Boy Scouts together in California, and he remembers him as having the greatest smile. It was very personal to me, and it just symbolized everything that my wife Debbie and I felt, and the club just totally embraced it as well. That club was the Glacier Valley Rotary Club, which he was a member of at the time. Riverside Rotary Park is the club's most visible service project in town. For the park, Fisher designed a broken pentagon with two missing sides as a flagpole base. Each side measures four feet in length. That represents the four lost planes. The two missing sides of the pentagon represent the twin towers of the World Trade Center. 
The memorial is constructed with concrete and Pennsylvania marbles to represent the strength found in our heroes. The forget-me-not flowers symbolize the rebirth of patriotism and our promise to never forget. It was built by Rotarians in months as one of the first 9-11 memorials in the country. The park served as the venue for services on the first anniversary. Now, on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, Osama bin Laden, who orchestrated the attacks, is long dead. The war is over, U.S. troops are out of Afghanistan, and many Americans and Afghan allies were airlifted out in a hectic evacuation. Fisher says initially entering the war and then getting out of Afghanistan were both the right things to do. However, I, I personally think that how it was done and leaving Americans there is, goes against everything that I think we believe as Americans. And I hate to see that. It's a tragedy. And we should be getting our Americans out of there and our allies that helped us over the last 20 years because they will be killed. Fisher originally designed a low wall that would partially enclose the memorial itself, but it was never built, at least not until this summer when the Glacier Valley Rotary Club also moved, a shelter closer to the playground, and erected a large pavilion in the park. Charlie Williams with the Rotary says the additions were prompted by a recently developed master plan for the park. It always involves money and time. So in this situation, we could build a shelter for a fraction of the cost that would cost the city. And so they recognize the value of leveraging a few dollars to get the things that are the master plan as a wise thing to do. He says they'll likely install engraved bricks and an interpretive sign at the memorial by next spring. Williams says the latest improvements to the park were made possible by support from the Juno Community Foundation and the Central Council of Clinket and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska. Reporting in Juno, I'm Matt Miller. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. And now, taking a look at the weather for Sitka for today, Friday, September 10th, 2021. Today, rain in the morning, then rain showers in the afternoon. Highs around 60, southeast winds 15 to 25 miles per hour. Tonight, rain showers, lows in the lower 50s, southeast winds 10 to 20 miles per hour. Tomorrow, rain showers in the morning, then chance of rain showers in the afternoon. Highs in the upper 50s, south winds 10 to 15 miles per hour. You're tuned in to your community radio station, Raven Radio, KCAW, in Sitka. Good morning. This is 